Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hollywood, La La Land. The windy city of brotherly love. The stars of the screen are known for their outsized appetites for clothes, houses, and most importantly to us, cars. While the majority of celebrities likely tool around in a Model X or a Rivian, there are some for whom this is not the way. Not content with having navigated the treacherous path to success in Hollywood, the celebrities we're talking about today heard the call of the track and knew they must answer. And while it would be tempting to dismiss them as posers, cynically dismissing their love of cars and racing as rich guys looking for street cred, this thinking does a disservice to all enthusiasts. The innate bond between a person and their passion deserves respect, regardless of said person's day job. In some of these cases, they have even completely abandoned acting to pursue a full-time career at the track. While Paul Newman and Steve McQueen are the most well-known actor racers, these examples show that the path from Hollywood to the cockpit continues to be well-trod. Today on Past Gas, we're going to look at the celebrities who consider cars and motorsport their calling. Who are these famous faces and what inspired them? Are they legit? And most importantly, what are they driving? Past Gas Podcast. Welcome to Pass Gas, everybody. Yes, we are talking celebs and their rides this week. I just hope Tommy Cruise makes it in. TC? Yeah. Big TC? And with his motorcycles? He's got motorcycles. He probably got a Lamborghini. That guy's a workaholic. That guy's a workaholic. That guy? Workaholic. Uh, <laughs> welcome back to the show, everybody. My name is Nolan Sykes. I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts. Uh, Diamond James Pumphrey over there. What's up? Wow. <laughs> I like that. I mean, nice little, well, we're working on nice a video right yeah. now that's really in, trying to do like a Top Gear type thing. 
because we think we can finally pull it off. And guess what? I love ACDC in the Who now. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, we went the wrong way. We didn't make Top Gear younger. Yeah. We made, Top Gear made us older. I'm a boomer now. We, uh, <laughs> my girlfriend and I were at Trader Joe's this weekend. And as we're walking out, she's like, wait a minute, were they playing the Top Gear theme song inside? And I was like, well, yes, but that's also <laughs> the Almond Brothers. It's a very well-known song. Uh, and we have Joe Weber. What's up, dude? Rise up, Wink Wink Nation. Hey, Wink Wink Nation. Haven't heard. Can we get a fired up? Fired up. There we go. All right. Thank you. I'm feeling energized. Uh, ready to get into this episode. Like we said, James, we got some big shoots this week. I'm excited. Uh, I'm just ha- happy to be here with you guys. I love doing this. I love coming in. Well, I mean, in our busy schedule, it's like a nice breath of fresh air to just sit down and chat for an hour with my homies. Yeah, yeah I love chatting with my homies. <laughs> so I think that sounds like another podcast. Chatting <laughs> with my homies. That's pretty much every podcast. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what if we just had a podcast where we just like hang out and chat? You joke, but they're doing, a lot they do pretty yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so let's get into it with our first celebrity racer. Yeah? Yeah. Frankie Muniz yes. hit it big at 15 years old, starring in both Malcolm in the Middle and Big Fat Liar before his 17th birthday. One of those has a little bit more cultural cachet than the other. Is <laughs> Big Fat Liar with That's Jim It's Perry? a spinoff of uh, no. Big Fat Greek Wedding, where the little kid <laughs> lies a lot. <laughs> no, no, it's <laughs> Paul, Gia- Paul Giamatti and Amanda Bynes. Oh, got it. Yeah, that was pretty funny. But Malcolm in the Middle holds up so well. Oh, for sure. Uh, he was 15 in that? They did it until he was... Like 18. Way too old. <laughs> and to put like uh, makeup over his beard. <laughs> Malcolm anyway. on the top. <laughs> but it was Frankie's love for motorsport that has since defined his life. Frankie's first experience with racing was profound. In 2001, while filming a segment for MTV's True Life, a short documentary series, great show as well, Frankie drove the pace car for the Daytona 500. It was during that race day that he met Dale Earnhardt on the grid shortly before getting in his car, and according to Frankie, he was one of the last people to speak with him. The Intimidator tragically died in an accident on the final lap of that year's race. That's that's crazy. That's got to stick with you. Yeah. Three years later, in 2004, Frankie would make his own racing debut at the Toyota Pro Celebrity Race, where he finished Seventh, they I think still do that. It's before the Long Beach Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. Jason Bateman always talks about racing in this. Yeah, he's won it a few times. Oh, yeah, wow. it's pretty cool. We gotta get one of us in there. We gotta get all three of us in there mm. in the same car. I'll pass. Okay. <laughs> the ten lap charity race began in 1977 and ran annually until 2016 in Long Beach and benefited children's hospitals in the area. The race ran celebrities against pro drivers though the famous folks were given a 30-second head start. (laughs) Some celebrities eventually graduated to the professional class as a result of their early participation, and a few became significantly more involved in motorsport after their first race. Anyway, Frankie would compete in that race the following two years as well, finishing third, first place for celebrities, and 11th. But more importantly, these races shifted Frankie's focus in a life-altering way. When Malcolm in the Middle wrapped in 2006, Frankie's agents were ready to discuss what was next. Frankie told them he was done. He wanted to pursue racing. What do you think Reese is up to? I actually was curious about that when I the last time I was watching Malcolm in the Middle and he just he has a kid. He's got a he's got a, a family. Yeah. And uh he's just he's hanging out, probably living off that uh, syndication money. 
Oh yeah. Oh they, yeah. They probably, made a lot of episodes. Yeah. Yes. His his role as father is uh, an ongoing. That's his new role, Joe. Gig. Yeah. It's the best role of his Recurring, life. Uh, award winning. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what that award is? Love. Aww. While Frankie did continue to take roles, he prioritized his burgeoning race career. At 21 years old, Frankie entered 14 races in the 2006 Formula BMW USA season. Wow, that's pretty cool. In 2007, Frankie transitioned into the Champ Car Atlantic Series, an open-wheel series that is significantly more competitive, where he raced for the next two years. He was seeing year-over-year progress and was finally settling into his racing career when Frankie was seriously injured in a crash at the Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course. He broke his back and basically ripped off his left thumb. Yow! Yow! <laughs> As a result, the IndyCar contract that was in the works for 2010 was pulled. Wow, so he probably had his thumb inside the wheel, yeah. which you're not supposed to do when you're racing. I've been to Indy at Mid-Ohio. Yeah, you went. that was with the, the S2000 parade, right, or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There was an S2000 parade before the race because it was a Honda. Oh, race. that's cool. Yeah. So I went with TJ Hunt. Oh, that's fun. After his injuries, Frankie took a 12-year hiatus from competitive racing, returning only to the Toyota Pro Celebrity Race in 2011 and its final run in 2016. During this hiatus, Muniz drummed for the indie rock band King Foil. What? With yeah. no thumbs? <laughs> he still has his thumbs. <laughs> and opened and ran a business in Arizona named Outrageous Olive Oils and Vinegars. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but in 2021... He returned to his first stock car appearance at the Spears Southwest Tour Series at California's Kern County Raceway Park. Shoutouts Bakersfield. Dude. Can you just Baker's imagine, patch. like Malcolm, just so excited to like pour olive oil on a crispy piece of bread Ooh. and like, shove it in your mouth? I would love to know this story about that, but that is a whole nother episode. <laughs> <laughs> About Celebrity foods. <laughs> In early 2022, Frankie took his first laps on the NASCAR Oval, running the number one ARCA car on the second day of testing at Daytona International Speedway. That's some big boy stuff. That is some big boy that's stuff. A, that's a super speedway. <laughs> <laughs> it's fast. Last month, Frankie raced the number 30 Ford Mustang for Rhett Jones Racing in the ARCA Menard Series Championship at Daytona International Speedway. He finished 11th but got into the top 10 a few times, reaching as high as third. That's sick as hell. More like Malcolm in the front. Oh. I mean, he's still in the middle. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This feeder league into the NASCAR series is a monumental success for any driver, let alone one who has had as much success in an entirely different career. This success is quite a reversal of position. Frankie was a film and TV star at 15, but is much older than the competition in his newfound career at 37 years old. The ARCA series is super interesting because you do have like, you have literal teenagers driving these cars, but then you'll also have guys like Frankie. Like it's definitely not uncommon for a lot of older dudes to be driving as well. Yeah. And let's just make it clear. 37 is not old. It's not. It's normal. It's normal. It's normal. normal. I got it. It's not old. I mean, (laughs) not old. Not old. Not uh, old. Is not. it is Arca the series? Didn't didn't some like forty year old dude like punch some little kid in the face? <laughs> what? Very likely, yeah. Yeah. Oh, isn't it Tony Stewart? Did no. You, no, 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 no. <laughs> I think it was yeah, Lewis Hamilton <laughs> yeah. smoked some little kid <laughs> at a cart track. 
on this career jump, Frankie has said, quote, I think maybe when people hear the story that I'm going racing, they think automatically, oh, he's going to have fun or it's just a hobby. He has <laughs> money. He's just going to go and waste it. I've heard it all. As a race car driver, my intention is to win the race. I'm not going there thinking I'm going to be happy in 20th. No, no. I want to win. <laughs> there you go. He's a real race car driver there. I know. That's like, cool. By definition, a very real race car driver. Uh, this isn't what I was thinking about, Christina, but Christina, our producer, just sent me an article that said, teen race car driver Daniel Dye arrested allegedly punching his classmate in the groin. And then he got uh, he got suspended from ARCA. <laughs> Rowan Atkinson. Uh, that's Mr. Bean. A lot of you guys don't know who it is. Although, I think Pascas has an older audience than our YouTube channel. I think a lot of people know who Mr. Bean is. I think is. a lot of people know who Mr. Bean is. I think Mr. Bean is more famous than I think he is. Yeah. And there's a lot of British people like oh, that. Oh. Like, like he does that over stuff, in, right? Over in Britain. Yeah. People are famous too. Or like in Australia, there's Australian famous people that are famous there. Like I had no idea Kylie Minogue was so famous. Oh, she's huge. She's huge. Yeah. Kylie, if you're out there listening, we'd love to have you on the show. <laughs> Being a worldwide phenomenon is no easy feat. Believe me, <laughs> I know. But our next famous racer was just that and before the internet. While the show only ran from 1990 to 1995, Mr. Bean's Facebook page is still among the most followed in the world with 136 million followers. Isn't that crazy? It is. Uh, he also has a really weird YouTube. He do He makes videos? Yeah, he's like in them, but they're like really weird. Gus Johnson or somebody did a whole video on it. Does he do Mr. Bean he character? Did, he does Mr. Bean character, but in a very phoned-in way. It's just so weird. You should check it out. That's it's like, very uh, weird. Go subscribe to Mr. Bean's YouTube channel. <laughs> Though Mr. Bean may be his most iconic character, Rowan Atkinson has a brilliant career both before and after, starring Black Adder on the BBC, one of my favorite shows. It really, <laughs> it really is. It's three characters, are the, like, the leads. From season to season, they become the next generation of that, their families. Oh, that's cool. And they, But they have the same dynamic. That's fun. Hmm. So it's like a prince who's uh, Hugh Laurie, then Mr. Bean is like his servant, and then he has like a Igor type guy, and like they keep they go from like the Middle Ages all through the yeah. Renaissance. Fun, oh. fun uh, play with status in that. Fun play with status. <laughs> <laughs> He's also in four weddings and a funeral, and the Lion King. He played Zazu. Rowan is a comedic legend, but he is also a collector of cars and a one-time racer. In the 1990s, Rowan raced a mid-engine Renault 5 GT Turbo in the manufacturer's Turbo Cup racing series and more recently raced his very own Aston Martin V8 Zagato at Silverstone in 2010. The Renault 5 GT Turbo is such a Mr. Bean car. Yeah, but... It's but it's it, sick. Yeah, it's so it's one of my favorite cars, but I don't think I could drive one. <laughs> so much snap over steer. Uh -huh. In 2014, he was racing his very own 1964 Ford Falcon Sprint in the Shelby Cup at a vintage car rally, Goodwood Revival. That's cool. When he was involved in a crash that effectively ended his interest in racing. It's funny to wreck at Goodwood. 
Yeah. Well, it happens a lot, actually. Yeah. yeah. I guess it's like kind of the British version of a takeover. Goodwood is, if you're not familiar, <laughs> it's like it's a celebration of like retro motorsport. Yeah. Um, you're so driving the, up a driveway. How yeah. do you wreck them? They have like a whole festival area with all these like retro themed activities and everything. Um, like and then slavery. like the racing. <laughs> <laughs> the racing on track is all vintage cars. Then they have the Goodwood Hill Climb, which is like all oh, race cars. That's what I'm thinking of. But yeah, during the racing though, like they'll they'll wreck multi million dollar Ferraris. Well, you know, they go after that big it. stone wall. What's that? There's cur- like yeah yeah every that's curve ju- has that's its a, name. Right? That's at the hill climb. Yeah, okay. every curve has its name. Dude, the people who get super nerdy about turn names at racetracks are sick shouts to all of our racing i just can't hang with them it's too much for me a car ahead of rowan spun out and mr bean rear-ended a different car that was swerving away from the spinning car while he was not injured the car was as well as his bravery oh it happens man yeah i'm i got ricky bobby syndrome hard i've wrecked we're gonna get your mojo back though maybe man i don't know if i ever had it (laughs) <laughs> I'd love to see you guys shake and bake. Yeah, I would shake and bake with you, Nolan. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps coincidentally, the man who played the hapless Mr. Bean also spent a fortune repairing his McLaren F1 after crashing it while driving it just like on the street. Oh. I think he used to daily it. That's what I would do. So in 1997, Mr. Bean purchased... The best car ever made, the McLaren F1, for $830,000. That is that's a deal. That's a deal. Oh, my Damn, God. Dude, that's a come up. That's, I mean, <laughs> that must have been the only time that it ever depreciated because it was like um, $1.1 million uh-huh. when it first came out. Then he crashed it twice, Ooh. requiring over $2 million in repairs. Once in 1999 when he rear-ended a Range Rover, then in 2011 when he lost control in the rain and hit a tree. Uh, lest you worry about his finances, he sold the McLaren in 2015 for $12.2 million. Oh my God. <laughs> come up, man. Wow. 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 A salvaged F1 yeah. that Mr. Bean crashed twice. <laughs> I mean, that's the fact that he, that that's the car that he crashed twice almost makes it. Yeah. Because that's, I, I mean, I've heard that story so many times. It's like a legend that mm-hmm. Mr. Bean like yeah. how perfect that's Mr. Bean that has crashed it. I don't know. That adds value to me. I know. Opinion. Yeah. This is the one that Mr. Bean crashed yeah. twice. Yeah. Do you think when he crashed it, there was a big like boing sound and then he <laughs> yeah, fell into springs? He like landed out. in some b- woman's yeah. bosoms. <laughs> <laughs> His airbag was a pie. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Now for our next celebrity, guys. Mm hmm. One of my personal favorites on this list. McDreamy. McDreamy. Patrick Dempsey. You love Grays. Yeah, sure. I do. Yeah, I do. You love Grays. I really. love McDreamy. I love the other doctor. Uh, McSteamy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mick Unseemly. <laughs> <laughs> He's the bad guy. Yeah. I love all those, all those doctors. I uh, love how they're all Irish. Yeah, it's really weird, but like pretty cool. Uh, I got to go do this hot surgery. <laughs> uh, all right, People so, don't like when I do accents. <laughs> some may know him as Reese Witherspoon's fiance from Sweet Home, Alabama. That's where I know him from. Others as a nerd in Can't Buy Me Love. But for the vast majority of people, Patrick Dempsey 
will always be known by his nickname from Grey's Anatomy, McDreamy. McDreamy. And while Patrick has had a long career in film and television, he's also made heads turn at the racetrack. Real quick side note about Reese Witherspoon. That new movie she's in with Ashton Kutcher, uh, Your Place or Mine. Yeah. Terrible. Uh, That's a bummer. Really bad. Anyway. I really liked her. And then yeah. I started following her on Instagram because I was like, oh, what's Reese up to? <laughs> then I unfollowed her because I was like, eh, you just act like my mom. <laughs> <laughs> After shooting his 1987 debut starring role in Can't Buy Me Love, Dempsey saw a 1963 Porsche 356 for sale on the street in Santa Monica and, quote, spent his entire paycheck on that car. It was just on the street with a for sale sign. I mean, in 87, <laughs> that makes sense, yeah. Since that purchase, Porsche has remained near and dear to Patrick's heart. Quote, The whole concept and design behind Porsche was to <laughs> racing and performance. That's really the legacy. He said, <laughs> I like to drive them, and you know, and, and you want to look at them, because they are sculptural, okay? They're a beautiful look at. You look at the Porsche line, it's just so incredible, and it's so Iconic. (coughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Do you have emphysema, Patrick? (laughs) Yes. Though he spent years as a casual car guy, Patrick made his racing debut in 2004 at the Panos Racing Series, where he drove a Panos Esperante GT to ninth place out of 16. That was like, that was one of my favorite cars in Gran Turismo. That's his first race? That's insane. But his real entrance to motorsport, guys, was at the 2005... Toyota Pro Celebrity Race. I think I'm seeing a theme here. We're going to keep coming back to it, baby. In the years following his... I, I say that not knowing. Yeah, I know. Gonna come back to in the years following his participation in that race, Patrick competed in a total of 68 events. Damn. Between Grand Am, ALMS, and the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. Whoa. That's a lot of races. IMSA is like big deal, too. IMSA is big deal. In 2006, he formed Dempsey Racing, which his website describes as a, quote, collection of motorsport enthusiasts and professionals with the intent of nurturing new talent alongside esteemed racing legends to top worldwide echelons of the sport. Little wordy. Little bit. He really went all in really quick. He did. I like it. They have since fielded a full-time Oreca FLM09 in the prototype challenge class as well as a Lola B1280 coupe. In the prototype two class, those are Areca and Lola. Those are both like special race cars, you know, Mm -hmm. like they have a lot of prestige. So the fact that I'm even mentioning that means that this is serious. It takes like a surgeon to (laughs) drive those cars. It's like a scalpel on track. His Dempsey Proton Racing Porsche squad finished sixth in the GTE AM standings in 2015. Good. Midfield. Midfield class. That's good. Midfield. (laughs) That's good. It's not last. More like Patrick in the middle. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the boss of me now. <laughs> Patrick also started competing in the 24 Hours of Le Mans. In 2009, he drove a Ferrari F430 GT, and his team finished ninth in the LMGT2 class. That's pretty good. In that class. I, mean, I don't know about overall. But still. Like, it's cool. That's big boy league. In 2013 and 14, Patrick returned to Le Mans in a Porsche 911 GT3 RSR, and finished 4th and 5th in the LMGTE Amateur Class, respectively. 
In his final run at Le Mans in 2015, Patrick's Porsche 911 RSR finished strong with a second place in their LMGTE amateur class. That's a lot of sitting in other guys' P.S. <laughs> what? And Le Mans. Sitting other guys piss. I, I know there's a lot of other things we could talk about <laughs> before we get to the piss, but uh, yeah, I mean it's 24 hours. It's a long race. There's only three. You're doing multi-hour stints, and sometimes you get in and you realize you're sitting in another guy's piss. <laughs> there's no like hole in the seat. No, no. But I don't. I mean, I'm sure it happens. I'm not sure it happens a lot. Yeah, you know, that's part of it for a lot of guys. <laughs> that's their whole thing. It's like, <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait for him to sit in my pee. I've gone four hours without peeing, though. Oh. What's the big deal? In a race car, it's different. There's no <laughs> rules, man. There's no rules. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, if you want to get the best lap time, you got to make some hot pee. <laughs> okay. In all, Patrick Zemtsy scored nine podiums in high-profile races like the Rolex 24, Hot uh, the Sebring 12 Hours, <laughs> less the, hot the Petit Le Mans in Road Atlanta, Wait, a little less hot <laughs> as well as a first-place finish in the Fuji round of the 2015 FI World Endurance Championship. He once told the Today Show that he was considering leaving acting in order to focus on racing full-time, adding, quote, I'm not necessarily bored with Grey's Anatomy. I'm incredibly grateful to have a show that's been on for 10 years, but it's not the same thing as being in a race car. It's not the same as All being in a race car. All the hot piss on that yeah. show is fake. <laughs> you got directors instead of race stewards. You got a steering wheel instead of a, you know, scalpel and script. Uh, you got... <laughs> in the show, I barely even wear a helmet. <laughs> Patrick expanded on his passion for racing in Eurosport that same year, saying... I would like to make motorsport a complete priority and just focus on this all the time. If I could just walk away from acting, I think I could do that very easily and just focus on driving. I would love that more than anything else. Despite these quotes, once he left Grey's Anatomy in 2015, he drove for a little while before fully retiring to focus on his family. But I suspect that's not the last we'll see no. of Patrick Dempsey behind the wheel. I think there's a theme <laughs> through all these stories, uh, that actors are just super competitive and uh -huh. they get to the point in their career because they're so competitive and they're just, you mm -hmm. know, like head down, do the work kind of stuff. And they seem very dedicated to whatever they're doing. I'm, I'm painting with broad strokes here. No, but I think you're right. I think, uh, I was an actor and I wasn't dedicated at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I guess I'm a YouTuber now. You know Eric Bana. I am not. I've never even built a beast. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back with more of this story. But first, a word from our sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well. Whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, 
answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our next famous racer has a shorter story, but a massive presence. He's a freaking Hulk. Aside from playing the Hulk, <laughs> Eric Bana has been in blockbusters like Troy, starring Bradley Pitt, Black Hawk Down, starring Eric Bana, <laughs> and, and Star Trek, starring oh, yeah. Spock. He was great in Star Trek. Yeah, great villain. he's a really bad guy. Yeah. Look cool though, for so sure. You're kind of conflicted. You're like, I don't agree with this guy's methods, yeah, but he looks but sick as hell. I know. <laughs> what is that gonna happen between him and Spock and Kirk? <laughs> Eric almost had a completely different career path as he considered dropping out of school at 14 to become a full-time auto mechanic, but his father convinced him to finish school. Nah, you're gonna finish school, mate. Eric bought his first car at age 15, a 1974 XB Ford Falcon that he nicknamed The Beast. There it is. The Beast. He has driven it in Target Tasmania Rally twice, once in 1996 and again in 2007 for a documentary he made called Love the Beast. It's a great documentary. (laughs) It's great. I've seen it multiple times. Really well done. Makes you really like Mr. Banna. This isn't a direct quote, but I love in the beginning where he's like, I'm Eric Banna. I'm known for some things. And it's just like <laughs> red carpet flashes yeah, yeah, and stuff. Yeah. But really, I'd like to focus on the beast. <laughs> <laughs> in that documentary, he also destroyed the car in a wreck. Yeah, it's pretty gnarly. Yeah. Eric also purchased a Porsche 944 in 2004 to compete in the Australia Porsche Challenge, a series of racers in which he topped out at fourth in the Sandown race. That's cool as hell. Sandown, okay. Uh, To clarify, I meant fourth place, not fourth gear. In fourth gear, right. Two months ago, it was announced that Bannon will again compete in the Bathurst 12-hour Enduro this year in a Lamborghini Gallardo LP520. What? Cool. Yeah. He's raced this twice before, crashing out in 2011. Mm. This guy sounds like me. (laughs) (laughs) And while Eric has raced Bathurst before, the pace has only quickened at Peter Brock's old stomping ground, with breakneck lap times becoming the norm. You know what? I wish him well. I wish him the best of luck in this. We should go watch. Yeah, we'll just pop down there. Just pop down there. Say, hey, Eric, what's up? It's us from Donut. Yeah. Oh, hey, mates, I love your work. <laughs> Y'all are the Hulk of automotive media. What? Is he from Texas or Perth? <laughs> There's not a lot of... They're, they're pretty similar. <laughs> That's Daniel Ricardo. Yeah, pretty, yeah, yeah. Hi, mates. Oh, Joe! Joe! <laughs> and he's like... <laughs> 
whipping past in a Galando. Yeah. Fire it Eric, up. focus, focus. Fire you crashed a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, we wish the best for our I, old I Benna. Do it, yeah. All right. Jason Priestley had a few small TV appearances before landing his breakout role on one of the biggest TV hits of the 1990s, Beverly Hills 90210. An unabashed Canadian he was also instrumental in the crossover success of his favorite band, the Bare Naked Ladies. I don't care who who knows it. I'm Canadian. I'm putting my foot down, my boot. He actually he directed the music video for The Old Apartment and helped get it playing on MTV. And he also produced and directed a documentary on them called Bare Naked in America. Yeah, it's ban. Lest, <laughs> <laughs> lest you think less of him, Jason also punched Harvey Weinstein I oh, think we can hell all yeah. sick as hell. There hell you go. yeah, That's dude. Cool. Um, a little bit about me. <laughs> I was in a Bare Naked Ladies musical comedy. What? And I was the drummer. Yes, man. Yes, man. How many times do you get to say that? Not once. Was <laughs> it? Was the, what was it? Was it called? Yes, man. I was a drummer in a Bare Naked Ladies cover band after the apocalypse. Hold up in a bar. That was the whole show. Oh, it's like a one-room musical thing. Wow. Yeah, it's been very, 10 years since the end of the world. Get comedy. Hold up in the bar and I'm, sounds, now I'm drinking. Yeah, yeah it got to run. It got to run? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it's been. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you guys know what that, uh, those like clear containers that you put stuff in? I can't, yeah, it's been. Yeah. Okay, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> do you know that terrorist guy who got shot? <laughs> Yes, Ben Laden. Uh, oh, you know that dude hangs out, uh, Matt Damon. I think his last name is Yes, Affleck. Ben Affleck. <laughs> <laughs> Too much fun. They also have other songs. Anyway, Jason's prowess was not limited <laughs> to the <laughs> Side note, do not do that at karaoke because it's actually extremely difficult. Oh, the rapping is insane. <laughs> it's really hard. It's so hard. I made a fool of myself one night doing that. Anyway. Yeah, it was a mistake. Uh, <laughs> Jason's prowess was not limited to the screen, though, as his racing career was legit. He was both a driver and team owner. Jason started racing in the California Rally Series in 1991 and competed for five years. That's serious, dude. Rally? Wow. In 1995, he raced a Ford Escort Cosworth in the FIA World Rally Championship round in Perth, Australia. That's huge. That's sick. That's so cool. In 1996, Jason started sports car racing and drove a 1995 Ford Mustang Cobra R in the Exxon Supreme GT Series. In 1999, he participated in the very first Gumball 3000. Less cool. Driving (laughs) a Lotus Esprit V8. That's cool, though. He's got good taste in cars. He does. Jason was a fixture at the Gumball 3000, in fact. It was a 3,000-mile international celebrity motor rally summed up by one critical writer with this quote. Since 1999, zillionaire scofflaws have been terrorizing cities across Europe and Russia in a week-long burn down the roadways in the finest and fastest cars money can buy, speeding outrageously, fucking everything, spinning donuts, crashing frequently, and buying... Their way out of trouble every mile along the way. That's a direct quote. <laughs> That's a direct quote. That's from Sintra Wilson from Salon. To give you even more of an idea of what it's like, in the 2002 Gumball 3000, in its first coast-to-coast American rally, it ran from the Plaza Hotel in Manhattan to the Playboy Mansion in Los Angeles. Oh, so oh yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah. Oh. 
Dude, what if what if like our waypoints were like Hooters? <laughs> what, if Hooters? <laughs> what if we stopped at a Hooters? Yeah, <laughs> uh, party at Spearmint Rhino. <laughs> I want have to be my dad. <laughs> Jason then competed in the Indy Racing League's Infinity Pro Series, driving for Kelly Racing. He finished second behind AJ Foyt, the fourth in his first race at Kansas Speedway in July of that year. That's pretty impressive. That's cool. That's A.J. Foyt's grandson, by the way, who won that. After strong showings in the qualifiers and subsequent races, Jason was practicing at the Kentucky Speedway when he was involved in a serious crash, hitting the wall in two separate head-on impacts at 86 mile per hour and 56 mile oh per hour. Oh, my God. Yeah. He suffered a spinal fracture in the middle of his back and a closed head injury. <sighs> as well as broken bones in both feet. Priestley had apparently driven through some oil dry and absorbent material that was spread out on part of the track about 10 minutes earlier to soak up oil from another car. It was described as, quote, the worst crash ever seen on the Kentucky Auto Racing Speedway. And Priestley was, quote, technically dead for about 45 seconds. I don't even know how that works. Me neither. After multiple surgeries to his face. Oh, he did play a vampire in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh. He also had a cool show on TLC called Rides, if you remember that. Nice. Uh, talked about cars, unsurprisingly. It's a real Clarkson title. Mm-hmm. Rides. Rides. Uh, after multiple surgeries to Jason's face, back, and feet, Jason fully recovered. His time behind the wheel, however, had ended. I think after after a wreck like that, you're kind of, yeah, you're yeah, giving you're like, it. You can, you can take a, Take a beat. Yeah. Though Jason retired from racing, he continued his involvement in the sport. He became joint owner of Rubicon Race Team, and they took part in the 2008 Indianapolis 500 with Max Pappas as their driver. Priestley was also co-owner of the FAZZT Race Team, F-A-Z-Z-T, a team that competed in 2010 with Alex Tagliani as its driver. Tagliani would win pole at the 2011 Indy 500. The team replaced Tagliani that year, however, with two-time and defending Indy 500 winner Dan Weldon. Weldon would die in a crash later that year at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, and Jason has since left motorsports altogether. Wow, what a tragic exit. Yeah. After getting his start on the L.A. Morning Show, Kevin and Bean, K-Rock, our next celebrity racer became the comedic yin to Dr. Drew's professional yang on the successful (laughs) syndicated radio show, Love line. It's my professional yang that you have a problem. <laughs> and I, when I was in high school, I listened to Love Line every night, uh-huh. and that was my dream job for a long yeah, time. Yeah, it turns out Dr. Drew ended up to be a, kind of a big piece of yeah. shit. Yeah. My first podcast that I was ever on, I guest hosted oh, yeah. Adam Carolla's podcast. Oh, dang. When he was out of town. I didn't I even remember. know what a podcast was. <laughs> I remember you went over there. Yeah. yeah. This guy's got two Muras. It's, yeah. He had oh, it was it was full of all the Datsuns. Oh yeah, like Paul all Newman's Datsun cars. race cars. Yeah, He's got all Paul Newman's cars. He, along with Jimmy Kimmel, would go on to star in the Comedy Central hit The Man Show. Also a little bit problematic in <laughs> hindsight. Uh, yeah, we're talking about Adam Carolla, uh, named after a car. <laughs> <laughs> Adam was also one of the two replacements. The other being David Lee Roth. Yeah. <laughs> now so I'm a boomer. I love Roth and Corolla. Well, they t- they both took over the Howard Stern show time slot when the show moved to satellite radio. You're um, not a Hagar fan? I love them both. Mm. I just love my Halen. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah. I don't care how you slice it. Howard Stern kind of got a pass for some reason. After that show was canceled, he began a daily podcast that would go on to be his most successful venture to date. And while the Adam Carolla show boasts that it's number one downloaded daily podcast in the world, the man himself is definitely the number one current owner of cars once driven by Paul Newman. He's got all the car. Well, not all. I don't know about all of them. But he's got a, a lot, lot of them. them. And they run on dressing. <laughs> Adam Carolla has won the Toyota Pro Celebrity Race twice. The 2012 race as an amateur and the 2013 race as a pro. Whoa. Impressive as this is, Corolla's affinity for racing trends more towards the racing of vintage cars, of which he has quite the collection. Let's see what he got. And I don't think any of them <laughs> are Corollas. If he doesn't own one Corolla, that's a real waste. Although it is spelt different. Yeah. Corolla has long collected Datsuns and Nissan race cars, and as we mentioned, race cars that were owned by uh, Paul Newman. Check out the Paul Newman episode. Mm -hmm. By his count, he owns at least 10 Newman mounts. Most are Datsun Nissan 240Z, 280ZX, and 300ZX race machines, many built in the 1980s by Bob Sharp Racing, the Connecticut-based Nissan factory team with whom Newman did most of his racing. Corolla also owns the Triumph TR6 that Newman won his first Sports Car Club of America championship with in 1976 and a Datsun 510 sedan that the actor raced in his early days. But he doesn't have that Paul Newman signature skyline that came out only in Japan. What? Yeah. What generation? Uh, R31, I think. Really? Yeah. It's I want one? It's not the best. It's got a four-cylinder, but... I want one. Yeah. There's a Michael J. Fox... Acura Integra. I love that. It comes with a little lunchbox. I have I have it. But the real centerpiece of his collection is the Dick Barber Porsche 935 that Newman co-drove to second place overall in the 1979 24 Hours of Le Mans with Barber and Formula One racer Rolf Stommelin. That reminds me, I gotta make an appointment for the Dick Barber later. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this car alone cost Corolla a reported $4.4 million in 2016. What is most impressive about Corolla's collection is that he actually... Dude, he earned his money telling dick jokes. Yeah, and... I, I literally jokes. just told a dick joke, and I'm at work right now. I know. We have That's a true. very That's similar true. job. I, mean, I know, but I'm just... money telling dick jokes, too, but we're not mean. Not $4.4 million Porsche no. dick jokes, though. Well, That's we got to... That's a sign that we should be better. Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. Sounds like that's a us problem. That man. is. You're right. You're right. What is most impressive about Corolla's collection is that he actually races these cars and doesn't just have them sit idly in a private hangar. He's raced most of his Newman cars at Laguna Seca in California with the annual Rolex Monterey Motorsports Reunion, which is uh, a little wordy. I got to go to that. Rolex Monterey Motorsports Reunion. Lots of multisyllabic words. He also raced the Barber Porsches at the Goodwood Festival of Speed, a three-day annual motorsport festival in England known as the Woodstock of Cars, and filmed his journey for his Motor Trend streaming show, Adam Carolla Goes Racing. There's so much mud at the Woodstock of Cars. <laughs> yeah, Limp Biscuit played that one year. <laughs> it was awful. I love tipping over those porta pots <laughs> The Woodstock of Cars is so... I don't think that's an accurate no way of doing. It, of it's more like it. the um, the Woodstock of car was would be free and a bunch of 
Yeah. Like 90s Corollas would show up. Uh-huh. What was this? Not be? Adam Corollas. No. It's like the symphony of. No, it's like the. The Met Gala of cars. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 It's the When We Were Young Festival of Cars. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get back to more past gas, but right now, a word from our sponsors. Buzz Lightyear, Tim the Toolman Taylor, Santa Claus. Tim Allen has had a long and fruitful career defined by some of film and television's biggest successes. Narc. But like the rest of our list, it wasn't quite enough to conquer one career. Tim's character on Home Improvement gave the world an insight into how obsessed with horsepower the actor who played him was. Tim grew up near Detroit and his tastes certainly gravitate towards horsepower. His first purchase as a bona fide rich guy was a 1966 Ferrari 330 he had seen in the movie Grand Prix. Jeez. But Tim also had aspirations on the Oval. (laughs) (laughs) For five years, Tim raced with Steve Celine for their Triple R Speed Lab team, named after his Home Improvements character. (laughs) Oh. No way. That's how you say it? Named after his Home Improvement character's catchphrase grunt. (laughs) Of which he was also the co-owner. I think I would spell it E U U G H. E U U R G H. So that means in, in, <laughs> that means in the script <laughs> in the script on home. <laughs> Do you think in like the French adaptations of that show they're like? Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's the only thing that translates to French. Howdy, neighbor! I do not think so, Tim. He said, Welcome to wine time! Mark, (laughs) (laughs) trying to remember everything, (laughs) every specific about the show. In nineteen, where is Mister Feeny? (laughs) Wrong show. Raymond, (laughs) every body loves Raymond. In nineteen ninety six, Tim Raymond. In 1996, RRR, which also sounds like a seal owns the team, (laughs) won the SCCA Sports Car Club of America World Challenge Pro Racing Manufacturers Championship. Wow. A competitive stock car race showcasing mostly American muscle cars. Allen was the third driver on the team, which drove Celine's Ford Mustang specials. Though this is super impressive, it seems like he was the money behind the team and didn't race in the championship. Well, I mean, dude, you know, I think it'd be cool to be a race owner. Yeah. Like, right, yeah. Oh, for sure. Okay. I prefer it. Yeah. It's like Gene Haas jumping in for a little stint. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I'd wear all white and oh. a cowboy hat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Over your helmet? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd, I'd have a bill built in around. Uh. <laughs> After racing with Art, Art, Art for a few years, <laughs> Tim moved into hot rods. While there isn't much information about racing of these hot rods, he did say his favorite aspect of building them is the mindset around it, saying, quote, Wouldn't it be great to make that out of chrome or put that big engine in this 
and, and then you drive it and it drives like a tank. That's a direct oh, quote. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> you know, like a big old oh, V8 going. Oh, 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 oh. That sounds more like a rotary. <laughs> Tim's personal car collection is massive and houses mostly Detroit muscle, including a fully restored 1933 Ford Roadster. Two Shelby Cobras, including Ooh. one s- rare semi-competition variant with a 427 V8 and a Corvette ZR1 and a Ford pickup truck uh, that was on set. At, uh, uh, he w- I-, I visited the set for Last Man Standing oh. with a class that I was taking, a TV production class. And I snuck away, looked into the garage part of the set, and under that little tarp was that Ford truck oh. and I was scared because I was like wait a minute I thought that maybe their security cameras saw me and you're getting expelled and I was going to get in trouble from Tim Allen and Tim Allen <laughs> just comes and yells at you yeah. he would just narc on you yeah yeah, he narked on a guy yeah our last silver screen speed demon in this episode's eponymous star needs little introduction the boyfriend of the internet, Keanu Reeves, has been a bona fide superstar for what seems like forever. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Point Break, The Matrix, John Wick. The list is long and seemingly endless. Keanu's path, though, is a bit different from the others on this list. His obsession comes on two wheels instead of four. Basically a half car, as we like to call <laughs> around here. Keanu's introduction to motorcycles came at 22 when he asked a stranger in Munich, cool, where he was filming a movie to teach him how to ride. Hmm. Hey, I know we've never met, but do you think you could teach me how to ride that? Yes. The young woman taught Keanu on her Kawasaki KLR 600 Enduro, a zippy little 550cc dual sport, and inadvertently began a 40-year-long Obsession with bikes. Certainly not a little bike. Those things are massive. Yeah, that's a honker. Yeah. Big bikes. Big, big bikes. bikes for big boys. Big boys and big big girls. Bikes. Big bikes. Take me on a big trip. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get on your big bike? <laughs> da. <laughs> it's German. Ja. It's J-A. Ja. Whatever, yeah. dude. I've never been there. Keanu started buying a used bike every time he started a movie as a project to ride to and from the set. Then, then he'd sell it when the project was finished. Or sometimes he would sell it. <laughs> gotcha. Oh, I was a little misdirect. <laughs> I've, had, I've had four or five bikes from that. Well, maybe six or seven. <laughs> he said in an interview with Red Bull, when pressed on if he actually has more, he demurs, no, 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 no. It's not like that. Well... Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of uh, enigma. Love Lots of Mr. X. He added, when I did a picture called My Own Private Idaho, I asked the director, Gus Van Zandt, so what bike am I riding? And he pulled up a 71 Nord Commando that was canary yellow. The props guy said, do you know how to? I was like, I'm good, man. I got this. <laughs> Sick. This actually is home. <laughs> Great quotes. <laughs> uh, Keanu's bike tastes are unsurprisingly very cool. He is Neo. Okay. <laughs> he knows Kung Fu. He's Neo and John Wick. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, are we surprised? Not one bit. Not one bit, dude. This guy rules. 
He has little brand loyalty, riding Ducatis, Kawasaki's, Harleys, and BMWs. Keanu's second-ever bike, an incredibly restored 1973 Norton Commando 850 Mark IIA, is an absolute specimen. Oh, man, that's a specimen. That's nice. His bike collection is not known in total, as he is famously private, but we do know it includes a restored 1974 BMW R75, an El Diablo West Coast Chopper. Nice. And a Ducati 998 painted Matrix Green. They did have a lot of Ducatis in In the Matrix Matrix. Reloaded. Oh, yeah. That freeway scene. Oh, yeah. Trinity hops on a Ducati, jumps it off of that car loader. So Uh sick. So sick. Yeah. Now, it's no surprise that his interests in motorcycles include not just maintenance, but also restoration and fabrication. Interests that led him to do something no one else on this list has done. Start a motorcycle company. Oh, I was going to say, I thought you were just going to say start a company. I was like, dude, Frankie Muniz had his All olive oil. Have, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he started Let's not a forget about Frankie Muniz. Let's not forget about that olive oil. I mean, olive oil and vinegar. And Race, vinegar. Race right. teams do have employees. Yeah. Keanu had a 2005 Harley Dyna Wide Glide, a 1500cc V-twin uh, that he wanted to customize and was introduced to Guard Hollinger. Guard is the owner of L.A. County Chop Rods Hmm. uh, and has been customizing bikes for over 20 years. They explored what Keanu wanted to do with his Harley and over the following 10 years came up with a prototype for a small-scale production bike that was firmly its own beast. This is my favorite one so far. This was the beginnings of what is now Arch Motorcycles. Keanu and Guard's bespoke motorcycle company. Commonly, custom bike companies will use an engine from a major manufacturer like Harley and build around it. Keanu wanted to build bikes that had a lot of power without losing agility or aesthetics. This is a complicated idea, as powerful motorcycles are usually road sofas or crotch rockets. Yeah, I mean, like, Harleys have a lot of torque. Uh-huh. Yeah. That big old V-twin. Have but you seen not a Hayabusa? That, it looks like, a, like it got stung by a bee. <laughs> it does. Yeah. The arch very much combines both and it's seventy eight thousand dollars is freaking better Dang. hey keanu uh <laughs> we're not all neo <laughs> <laughs> this thing is sweet they're based in hawthorne as well we, well, should, we, should, oh, go we should go visit i Maybe bet we'll be, see keanu i bet ben conrad knows him yeah yeah 100 he's like oh yeah he came over for dinner last week that's my <laughs> yeah. ben conrad uh, Keanu continues to have a passion for motorcycling, so much so that every movie he does, he must sign a contract release stating that he will not ride a motorcycle during the production <laughs> of the film. Huh. But we know that these yeah. don't keep Neo off the bike. Yeah, I'll sign it. Uh, <laughs> 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 these arc bikes look sick. I know. Yeah. Kung Fu. <laughs> While their success on the track may not hold a candle to their success on the screen, the one unifying feeling conveyed by these stars is that they would likely prefer spending their time in a race car over their original profession. And while Frankie Muniz is likely the exception, both Dempsey and Priestley suggested to the press at one time that they wished that they could focus primarily on racing. And while their celebrity and money have certainly helped them get a foothold into the highly competitive racing world, only a pure desire to race and win could possibly have kept them there. These guys are living the dream. Yeah. They get to have a cool job and make a lot of money doing it and then buy cool toys that I also like. And that, in my mind, makes them cool. Yeah, great. 
We got some fan mail. Uh, hey, f- this is from John from Pawukee. I think this might be Pewaukee. 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 Yeah. Hey, fellas, big fan of the podcast. By the way, Boiler Room is an amazing movie. I'll check it out. Thanks. Lots of love from Lake County, Wisconsin. It's a bit better than Minnesota and a hell of a lot better than Illinois. Whoa. Those are fighting words, John. Ill- Illinois taking shots. Uh, no comment. <laughs> I'd love a podcast about automotive company parts brands. Why are Chrysler products referred to as Mopar? What's the deal with Motorcraft? Isn't AC Delco owned by GM? What do these brands? Why do these? What do these brands still exist? I guess the equivalent to Eurocars would be Bosch. <laughs> but why would each of the big three need their own OE brand? Mm. First of all, Bosch is a TV show. It's not a parts <laughs> yeah. manufacturer. No one loves Bosch. Titus yeah. Welliver. Yeah. Great actor. No one loves Bosch. I, I, I do love Bosch. No one loves Bosch. No one loves Bosch since he was like 21 years old. I, I have. Love Bosch. I love Bosch, dude. Loves old cars and Bosch. Well, thanks, John, from Pewaukee. Uh, shout out to my Wisconsin, Wisconsin brethren. <laughs> you guys don't even know how to talk. He had a typo in there. Wisconsin sucks. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening yeah. to Past Gas. Yeah, it's been a great episode. Thank you so much. <laughs> follow the boys on all social media at James Pomfrey, at Joe G. Weber. Follow me at Nolan J. Sykes. Good. Uh, it. Nidia.com. <laughs> Try not to fall asleep on your way there. Uh, yeah, subscribe to the YouTube channel and everything. Uh, big thank you to our producers this week and every week, Christina Felsky and Gavin Kinzel. And our writer, Jimmy Pennington. That's Great right. name for a writer. Pennington. Uh, we're going to go find Keanu's shop. See ya. But not in a weird way. Bye. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.